Welcome to the China Flexpad podcast. My name is Lina, and I've been in B two B business for the past thirteen years while in China. And I'm accountable for more than a thousand B two B meetings, which where I closed deals, negotiated or interpreted for international business people. And so, since 2014, I opened my own company called Litao, and、uh, my business model was mainly to host B two B meetings and facilitate negotiations. And so, some of the negotiations were worth 200 million euros, where we were purchasing. Factories are just entering into collaborations with the local Chinese firms, and obviously during the pandemic, that just became impossible because there is no face-to-face meeting opportunity anymore. And for this size of deals, usually it is quite important to sit together at one table and negotiate and talk and see that all of our ideas align. And so, since 2020, we noticed that one of the areas that we worked with. Really picked up its food and beverage imports, and since then we focus only on helping foreign food and beverage brands enter China market. Can you explain a bit more why F&B? Why do you like it so much? I think a taste comes with a story, comes with a tradition, and I stand very firm on、uh, my European heritage. And I'm very proud of our food and beverage culture. I'm very proud of our slow lifestyle, of our quality, of our family gatherings. You know, like family dinners, and all those traditions. And I think it's so unique that there are 100, 200 year old brands in Europe that are not accessible to Chinese consumers right now because they are so traditional and. They have so many challenges to be able to be understood by the Gen Z in China. So that's where I work at. We find some unique, beautiful products and we bring them to to Chinese consumers. And what's crucial to successfully launch an European F and B brand in China? You would be surprised. You just need to look at.、Um... The the categories. So one of the best success stories we've had is the most、uh, unexpected product, which is mayonnaise. You know, you would assume that the Chinese don't eat it, but then we were very successful. Except we needed to localize, adjust the flavors, and so on. I think、uh, the most interesting categories are anything ready to eat,、uh, something in between me- meals. Could be functional foods. Could be anything better for you. I think in China, vegan trend is not yet picking up, so that's maybe for the future. They are really interested in something that I can consume today that's better than the alternative available in China. So, for example, fruit wine. A lot of investment has gone into producing higher quality alcohol products for Chinese consumers. Yeah, maybe the main keywords are authentic, better for you, and delicious. It really needs to match the Chinese taste. But there are Chinese competition for the same products in China, right? Chinese local companies who offer the same products. So how do you customers who want to reach a Chinese consumer? How do they differentiate from these competition? It is not easy. However, European Union has a very clear standardization system. So the standards. And the commitment to quality that really stands out, and also that's why we're looking for unique products, something that has been really accepted by the Western consumers already. What the Chinese consumers want to do, they want to learn, they want to trust what is written on the label, they want to trust that their kids will be eating a healthy food. So as long as you come and educate them about the value of your product, this is how you can stand out. It's not necessary. 
for you to be, you know, the best performing brand in this specific category. Niche is what we focus on. And we say niche is the new black because a niche in this huge market is everything. It's, I think, a different question. It's not really about standing out. It's really about becoming a friend to your consumer, bringing a value to your consumer. Lina, how do you bring value to your customers as a flexpat in China? We have been pointed two key areas of challenges. One, education, because B2B business is so difficult. We don't go and list a product onto e-commerce. We work in traditional wholesale. We work with distributors. It's so difficult. You know here, you've been here for, for some time. You see that the people, they just understand things very differently. So a lot of the time... People are just waiting until somebody buys their product and just give all the rights to developing the product in the market to the Chinese distributor because they don't know how to talk to them. You know, now I made it mandatory for the clients of my company to participate a monthly webinar and uh, learn. <laughs> and we push all kinds of angles, negotiations, like uh, meet um, procurement manager, you know, meet e-commerce shop manager, just talk to people and hear their stories, how they think is important. Two is you really need to have a person on the ground. If you get a call from the customs, you need somebody you can trust who can just go and see what happened at the customs. If you want to inspect what is the price of milk in this or other sales channel, you need to have a person who goes and sees what is the price of this milk. It's a risky business to come to China market. So you need to have uh, yeah, somebody to trust on the ground. So that's how we bring value. Lina, you create value with your company, which you founded a couple of years ago. So can you go more into detail? How did you do this? How did you found the company? And how do you, well, how do you act as a boss, as an entrepreneur? How do you hire your team? How do you find your customers? How do you close contracts? Anything you think the audience should know? If I knew what I signed up for, I would never do it again, you know? <laughs> I think uh, the answer to all the questions that you mentioned is relationships. You, re you really need to rely on somebody. Being a small, medium enterprise, it's much more challenging because you don't have all the assets. Also, my company is self-funded. I didn't get a VC investment. I didn't get anybody to, you know, front the cash. So I was actually growing together with the people who needed my help. So I opened the company because I noticed that I can do things better than people who are doing things already. At first, I was doing something for a couple hundred euros, then for a couple thousand euros, then for a couple ten thousand euros, then for a couple hundred thousand euros. You know, these the projects just kept growing. So and because the the clients had they. They really trusted me. I just saw it as my duty to learn how to help them because I had a sincere interest at heart to help them face less anxiety, less anger, less stress and less miscommunication, less confusion. And because I have studied Chinese studies from 2006 to 2010 and I studied Confucianism, Taoism, I came to China already speaking Chinese in 2009. So I had all the tools which were ingrained in me by my professors back, you know, when I was studying for my undergraduate. And later I did another degree, which is master's degree in international relations to be able to manage these bigger scale projects, because this is sometimes quite a diplomatic endeavor, 
you know, <laughs> there are so many stakeholders. Like there are 10 men at the table. I'm the only woman and each of them has their own opinion about anything. And how do you handle this and turn it into a successful collaboration? Wow, that's very diplomatic. Regarding staff, I have been very, very lucky. I have uh, people who work with me for many, many years who have been a part of my team, but also who are not a part of my team, but they have complementing services to my company's core services. So we have kind of a network of probably more than 40 people who we work with on a weekly basis, but some of them are essential team members, even though they're not within my payroll. So I think this trust, doing something great, not doing any gray zones, not cutting corners, being transparent, being truthful with the employees, no matter what shit you're going through, I'm just coming and telling them in front of them, you know, this is what we're dealing with right now. This is what I need. Please, let's focus on this and that. And I think we will survive. If not, I apologize. <laughs> but for the past seven years, I've been successful on, of, of paying uh, every paycheck on time. I think that's my biggest achievement. I think the biggest challenge for me is how do you draft a contract between me and the employee, me and the client, me and my service provider? Because this, I think, is the most important piece of a problem or a solution. So if it is well prepared, then you will not have problems. But if it is not well prepared, wow. And a contract is something that nobody teaches you how to handle. So it's taken me so many years, but I started in 2009 helping people negotiate contracts. So what my lawyer says, she says that the best contract is a contract that both parties want to sign. So then that really shifted my perspective. A negotiation for me is not about having two points of opinions. Actually, it is seeing that our direction is this bigger picture, the project, the direction we want to go. And then how do both parties negotiate in order to complement each other to reach that? I think that's the key. Anybody who wants to do business, they want to really set some time aside and start understanding how the contract law works. Like what is the negotiating tactics in order to reach the goals that you want to reach? So I started by having delayed payment by 30 days or maybe 60 days after I complete a pro project. We sign a contract, then I do my job, for example, market research. Then I present it, then 30 de uh, days delay until I get the money. So since I started till I see the money, maybe 90 days. Now, if I don't get the money in advance, 100%, I don't start doing anything. So I think that's my biggest accomplishment in terms of business management. Lina, how did you learn all this? Who taught you to be such a business entrepreneur? Definitely, I taught myself because I was asking so many questions. And I was asking these questions to anybody in front of me who were willing to answer. Actually, my Chinese lawyer is great. My Western lawyer is great. My business partners are great. My clients are great. They have signed so many contracts. My clients are my biggest asset. They, they teach me what they need me to be in order to be able to serve them better. Lina, what is your main career advice to Flexpats who want to work in China, maybe also start their business and create value? Number one and most important is you need to, whenever you enter the room, put your ego, leave it outside the door, you know. It's not you who's teaching the Chinese here. It's the Chinese who are running the game. So you need to fit in. You need to learn and you need to see where in that learning you can start sharing something that's important to you. So for me, what is important is like for healthy food 
is such an important part of my lifestyle. Very, very important part. It has helped me deal with a very major illness in my life. Um, so I really stand by it and I advocate it and I talk about it all the time. So of course I will be in FNB, you know, like, are you kidding? It's such a joy. I'm so happy. Um, but then I know that in China, like vegetarianism or vegan lifestyle, it's just not perceived the same way. So it's not me who's going to fight them and teach them about this. But when they have questions, I will be here to answer them. And they know that I will answering them from my personal perspective, from my personal story and from my personal research. So that will be very interesting for anybody in B2B or B2C or friends or, you know, in any kind of angle. So I think you need to be authentic. You need to be yourself. You need to be polite. And I think most important is leave your ego outside the door because so many foreigners come here thinking that they will now teach China how to live a life. But even in my company, now I'm trying to teach the foreign brands, how to learn from the Chinese brands, because they have been very successful in this very, very bizarre, fragmented, non-regulated market, which is very adverse. But then if they could survive, and if they could still please the consumers, and the consumers pay really good money for some of the Chinese local brands, well, there's a lot to learn. What can they learn from the Chinese brands? I went to the church for Christmas. And uh, when I entered the church, I got a pamphlet where every step of the process for the mass was written out. So when you need to stand, when you need to kneel, when you need to sit down, what the, the priest will be telling, because some people, maybe their English is not that great. So it was all written out. Then when you can sing along, when you need to be quiet, I don't know if you have been to the church in, in Germany, but definitely you're expected to come prepared. You're expected to do all of this homework back in school or at home and come to the church knowing what you will be doing. So Western brands, when they come to China, they come to China with this attitude like a German church. But the way they should be coming is the attitude of a Shanghai church, because people will go to that church. They will be so happy that they didn't disrespect the person who maybe didn't remember that now it's the time to stand and not kneel or maybe to sit and not stand or whatever. People assume that they understand, but it's better instead of assuming just to write it out and to make it so crystal clear what, how you will eat this product, how can you enjoy it with who and stuff. So you need to think about scenario situations and creating experiences rather than just a product. I guess the pandemic also had a big effect on how international brands enter the Chinese market. Did you see any change in this regard? And how did this affect your business and how you work and help your customers to be successful in China? Actually, last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was a growth of maybe 30% in food and beverage imported. The brands that were kind of not very modest, they just stopped any any kind of interaction with China. They just left. And the brands that were successful, they became more successful. So it seems like it's going to be very polarized. There will not be a middle ground. Like either you're very successful because you have done your homework and it's going to be a very expensive homework or you will be out. That's how I see it. How do you teach your customers, your clients to be like this, to take this more sustainable approach to be successful in China? I don't think it's teaching. Because when we work with a client, we walk the path together with them with iterations. 
So when they have already done something, they have already engaged with the distributor, they have already seen that, you know, something happened with their product, there has been feedback on their price point, whatever, or packaging or taste or whatever, only then they will get some education. And then it matters. Like if you're reading a book or you're watching a movie or you're watching a webinar, but you didn't have any practical experience that you personally have been through, there's nothing you will learn. So now I think after so many years, I have combined the two. And let's see, this year is going to be so interesting. So, so interesting. Many Flexpats dream of opening their own company, just like you. What would be your advice to them? When should they open their own company? How much experience do they need? How did you prepare yourself? I didn't see any other option. If they have a question whether to start or not, then it's a no. I started writing a blog in 2009 and I had 200,000 people reading it. At that point, they were not called followers. I could only see the unique IP addresses through the back end. And so each of these people sometimes would send me a question about China, like, how can I buy this? How can I do this? So I started in the most mundane job in 2013, 14. I was doing trading, sourcing. And then I realized, man, like I can do better. So I started thinking about the opposite. How do I bring things to China that are valuable, that are teaching people something? And then I found that a lot of people have the same, you know, intention, but they are much less equipped to implement it than me being in China, speaking Chinese, knowing about Chinese business. So I had clients. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I can just uh, do a little bit of the advertising for the podcast that I run. I think you're very right. And I really did take it to heart. Thank you for giving me such beautiful compliment. You said that I suddenly turned this podcast into a China MBA. So yeah, so it's called China Business Cast. And uh, I aim to share stories from people who have done something that I personally think is great. And then usually these people are people I either know quite well or I have been somehow acquainted with. So the conversations are quite open and quite detailed. Um, and I'm very, very happy for them to be so brave and sharing so much. So really welcome to subscribe. It's called China Business Cast and it's a fantastic China podcast. I really enjoy it. And actually, I have also been on the show already and introduced China Flexpad on the podcast. So you should really tune in. With this, I want to thank you, Lina. It was fantastic to have you as a guest, as a fellow podcaster on the China Flexpad podcast. And I hope that the audience can reach out to you on LinkedIn or other channels, ask you for advice on anything you can help them with especially on opening their business in F&B or in entering the Chinese market. They can follow your articles. I really enjoy re learning from someone like you. So thank you so much for sharing today. Xie and Zaijian. Zaijian. Thank you for being part of the China Flexpad community. If you would like to explore more useful episodes like this one, please visit our website chinaflexpad.com, give us a like and follow on LinkedIn and we would love to hear from you.